It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! What's happening, everyone? This is the Locked On Wizards podcast, and I'm your host, Noah Getzel. So the Wizards fell tonight in a heartbreaker uh, to the Celtics in overtime, 110-104. And we're going to recap that game for you. We're also going to talk about a potential playoff rematch between the Celtics and Wizards, just like the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. And finally, at the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about this wild trade deadline today with uh, Wizards extra contributor, Bryna Kramer. But first, uh, we bring in the Locked On Celtics podcast host, uh, John Corrales. He also is a contributor for... Uh, Boston Globe, Boston.com, and he's the co-founder of Red's Army, a basketball blog about the Celtics. John, thanks so much. It's an honor having you on the show. Thanks for joining. I know it's late oh, at night. <laughs> it's late, but, you know, I always love talking about basketball, so not a problem. Cool. So the first question, um, of course, we have to start with this this foul <laughs> three-pointer at the end Knew of regulation, exactly where we're going. about uh, 10 seconds to go. Clearly, there are a ton of mistakes that the Wizards made throughout the game. They had 22 turnovers, but with 
I think it was like 15 seconds left. Uh, Irving kind of drives by on a mismatch against Markeith Morris. He uh, gets it around the corner three-point line area and rises up for a three. It looks like there was ever so slight of an amount of contact on his arm, perhaps. Uh, Markeith Morris said after the after the game uh, that he was mic'd up, so you can hear exactly what he said. But basically, like if he were to have hit Irving's arm, he wouldn't have even gotten the shot off. Did you see that play as a foul? I, I saw it. Uh, he did hit his arm. He did not hit his arm very hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are... There are plays where people get much more contact and there's no foul called. However, the problem here and why I saw it as a foul, not because I'm a Boston guy, I saw it as a foul because I saw the ball move in Kyrie's grip. So as slight as that impact might have been, and you can call it a brush, you can yeah, I, I will agree that it was not much of much force but because it it did adjust the ball in Kyrie's grip it impacted the shot mm-hmm. and that is why it was a foul not necessarily because oh he barely touched him it's because it, it impacted the shot and and that's going to be a foul every time so or should be a foul every time a little bit of context on this play. Uh, the Wizards were up 98-95 at the time. Uh, they had hit a couple of free throws to keep that advantage as we went into the waning seconds. Irving gets fouled. He hits all three of his, his free throws. And then Bradley Beal is going up against Irving on the final play with those 9.8 seconds remaining. Uh, it's a mismatch. Irving is on him, but Beal can't take advantage. And he kind of gets off balance, loses his footing a little bit, and forces up this awful fadeaway. The game goes to overtime. Uh, the Celtics dominated in overtime. I think the, the Wizards missed like 10 of 12 field goals or something like that in the final five minutes. But uh, do you, I mean, it seemed like in, in the olden days of basketball, the refs would always eat their whistles at the end of the game. Is that more something that happens when, when there's contact in the paint? Or do you think with the three-point game being such an important uh, feature of today's you know modern basketball, you know, if you're shooting three and you get fouled, it's still the same deal, like a foul is a foul. Is that kind of how you see it? I think I think when there's a lot of con- when two guys are trying to initiate like if a guy's trying to drive to the rim and he's sort of initiating contact and he's being challenged I think those tend to be kind of left alone those are the plays where you, you they quote unquote swallow the whistle when a player has his shot clearly impacted uh, I think that's that's a little bit different, and so I, I think there are there are instances where guys get get those calls. I mean, it happened to the Boston Celtics uh, last season, the season before. It all jumbles together, but there was a game against the Bulls where Jimmy Butler, same, almost the exact same play, almost the exact same play, same spot on the floor. I forget who it was that fouled him, but. It was uh, probably a couple years ago. So it might have been Evan Turner, but forget it. The, the point is, those plays when a guy gets hit on the arm and it, the referee determines that it's going to impact his shot, that gets called. When two guys are flying to the rim and it's body contact, but the ball kind of has an avenue to get out without the arm being hit, that's a little bit different because I think the referees just see two guys kind of flying to the same spot and 
I don't think they're going to reward a guy for hunting for a foul in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think they're they're going to make a determination on did some did a defender do anything to impact the shot in the process of the shot? Did it, did you do something to impact the shooting motion in the process of the shot? Yeah. And Irving just like the second time fall. when he touched, he barely touched Kyrie on, on the, in the second three point play, the second three point foul, he barely touched him on the elbow, but that elbow affects how much power you put behind the shot right. and that impacts the shot. So those, those little things, not a ton of, it's a very bare minimum contact, but that impacts the shot, so they're going to call it. I think I've got to stop obsessing about this three-pointer that will give me nightmares all night if I do get to sleep at all. What do you think you know, was, was the difference in this game? Obviously, Kyrie had 22 of his 28 points after halftime. Is he looking back to his normal self now? Well, not quite. Um, I would say that he, he's if he was more of his normal self, he would have hit a couple of those shots to close out instead of losing that 10 point lead because the Celtics lost the 10 point lead. Right. And, and, and you guys took a lead, you know, end up going up three. So there is an opportunity there for the Celtics to close out that game. And I was sitting there about, we're about to flip sides. Like I was going to be sitting there talking about a very frustrating loss. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think the difference in the game was that they, they basically took Bradley Beal out of the game and there was just no there was no recovering from that. I mean Porter had a nice game, but without without Beal, I mean you hold you hold Beal to twenty six percent and you're you're gonna win a lot of those games when, when John Wall's not playing. Look, Sadoransky had a nice game, Porter had a nice game, but outside of that, there was not a whole whole lot of help. They did a nice job limiting a guy that has been playing really, really well. And the Celtics, I think did, did a good job in the second half, just kind of tightening up the defense. The third quarter defense was really good. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think that's that's really where it it was won. Their their overall defense, but mostly on on Beal. And I think towards the end, their defense when they when they did play well on Beal, like some of it was just Beal missing. But I think he he was missing at the end because he was frustrated by the rest of the game. And he was forcing a couple of things. The missed dunk, like all of that, I, I think just played into just Beal being frustrated by what he was seeing from the Celtics. So I, I think that's pretty much where they won the game. Mm-hmm. Beal only got one free throw attempt, so that's got to be frustrating for a guy who shoots it 27 times, too. He shot just 7 of 27. And you mentioned Otto Porter. He, he did have a, a great game, 27 points. But in the fourth quarter in overtime... He made one big bucket. I think there were about three minutes left. It was the Wizards' last field goal of regulation. He only had six points in the fourth quarter in overtime. I know a lot of Wizards fans will be upset. He didn't get a touch on that last possession for the Wizards. But ultimately, the Wizards were sloppy and with the ball. They were missing a ton in the paint. And that's you know that's what lost the game. You can talk all you want about this foul, which was the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, of course. Uh, <laughs> On Kyrie, but ultimately, you know, it's 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 four quarters and then five extra minutes of the the extra session. So we're gonna take a real quick break now. Um, and John Corrales is coming right back at you uh, to talk about a potential playoff matchup rematch between these two teams. Uh, so stay tuned to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We are graced with the presence of John Corrales of uh, Locked On Celtics. He's the Locked On Celtics host. And John, can you let uh, the followers know where people can find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm at Reds Army underscore John, and also on uh, the Locked On Celtics tour is actually at Rainin underscore Jays, because we originally were the Rain and Jays podcast before we joined mm. the Locked On Podcast Network. So that's me, Jay King, and Sam Packard uh, started this a few years ago, and uh, we were one of the original uh, shows to join the Locked On Podcast Network. So... There's some, there's some still Rain and Jays branding. That's what we've we've called ourselves. But yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at uh, Reds Army underscore John. Nice. Uh, I'm pretty much the same deal. So I'm part of the Wizards Extra blog, and we do videos and Twitter coverage and write articles, and then we do podcasts too. So we kind of have taken on the locked on Wizards ordeal. And speaking of Rain and Jays, uh, the Celtics were just nine of twenty six tonight, uh, but they're the fourth best team in terms of made three pointers all season long. If this First of all, this matchup tonight is much must-watch TV. Am I right? Oh yeah, I thought I thought it was a good game, and you know, over the past couple of years, the Celtics Wizards has been a, a nice little, uh, like sort of burgeoning rivalry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, the Celtics are probably going to shoot it better uh, when they're at full strength. Uh, mm-hmm. If this playoff matchup were to repeat. Uh, do you? Who do you think would make a difference that wasn't playing tonight? Obviously, one of your best defenders, Marcus Smart, still has yeah. that deep cut in his hand, right? Yeah, you know he had a little fight with a, a framed photo at a, <laughs> a hotel. I think he lost. He lost that fight for sure, Ugh, Marcus. Yeah. So the Celtics at full strength are, are going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting matchup with the Wizards. I. I I'm really curious to see what happens when Wall comes back. You know, this whole everybody eats thing and, you know, the, the Gortat, you know, team tweet that he had. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of curious to see one thing that from the outside looking in, I've just been wondering if the Wizards are starting to ha- show cracks in the facade. Like, you know, sometimes when teams, you keep running it back with the same team after, after a little while, there starts to, to, to get some friction. You know, guys might be, for lack of a better term, a little sick of each other. So I, I just wonder if some of that might be going on in Washington. We'll see. I know Gortat was floated in trade rumors, but here we are. So if the, if the Wizards can't get their act together and they, they have some fractures, then it's going to be tough to beat the Celtics. The thing, the thing with Marcus Smart is you can – Stick him on on either Beal or Wall down the stretch. Now Wall's fast, but Marcus is strong, mm-hmm. and he can get spots. And if if Wall gets frustrated and and just tries to beat beat you with speed, if, if Smart can get to a spot fast enough, then he can draw charges. He's clearly adept at I'll call it <coughs> selling a foul, but will. Yeah, so he, he look. He 
he, Marcus Smart, beat the, the, the Rockets on two charges from uh, James Harden at the end of the game. So he basically sealed a, a Rockets collapse and a Celtics win by drawing two fouls on Harden. So he can do that. He's been known to do that. And he'll make those plays. So having him in the backcourt changes things significantly. Uh, Jalen Brown's emergence mm-hmm. changes things this year from last year because last year Brown was not as playable as he is this year. I mean, he had that step back three tonight, which was huge. And that's something I haven't seen from him. Like he's he's playing offensively. He's playing better now than he was at the beginning of the season. So he's making strides as the season is progressing. And his year two leap from year one has been phenomenal. So Oh, yeah. Leaps and bounds, no doubt. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, if you could put him and Smart, I mean, the Celtics will play him, Smart, and Kyrie at the same time. And you can try to hide uh, Kyrie maybe on on Oubre or, or, or somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow get a matchup where – you can you can defend the two most dangerous players and then make up for the rest. And so uh, this year's this year's playoff series would be significantly different than last year's. the The addition of Marcus Morris, he had a nice fourth quarter. It's been a little frustrating, and it, I, I think he can help. But. I saw Marcus Morris has been a little bit kind of up and down for us. And now the addition of Greg Monroe, who we got our first taste of him in green tonight. Technical foul, like, what, three minutes into three, his yeah, time on the which court? Yeah, going to endear him to Boston fans immediately. Mm-hmm. But he adds a different dimension to the game. And the Celtics' second unit has struggled to score. But I like the addition of Monroe, not just because he can – get the ball in the post and score or face up a little bit. We saw him have a nice drive from the top of the key that he got fouled on. Aside from that individual stuff that he can do, I'm excited to see what kind of passer he's going to be because he's going to draw attention. You have to, you, you have to pay attention to Monroe on the block. You might have to send a double team. And if you do that, then he's going to find guys. He had a couple of nice passes where they dumped it into him in the post and immediately cut back door, and he found guys twice. It didn't end up working out both times. I think one of them was a missed shot, but the play itself was was right there. And I think action behind Monroe when he's in the post, cuts and different, different actions behind him to get guys open can be an effective way to get guys that are decent, Terry Rozier, uh, they'll play Jason Tatum with the second unit, uh, even if they have Aaron Baines or Daniel Tice out there. Guys who are decent, when you get those guys open looks, they become much better players. And I think him on the post and the attention that he draws mm-hmm. could get those guys more open looks, which will make that bench a little bit more dangerous. And and I will single out Terry Rozier because... Yeah, I was going to mention him too. His defense was, was on the spot tonight, uh, even though yeah. he didn't come away with any steals. He had 12 points, which was nice offensively, but he was just a dog on Beal all night. Uh, when was he? Was he the primary defender, or who was mostly guarding Beal tonight? Uh, they mixed it up. I mean, yeah. the Celtics switch a lot, so Tatum I mean, he, Rozier starts on Beal, but then guys switch out. Um, the The thing with Rozier is when when Kyrie was out for a couple of games with the the bruised thigh, he he stepped in and, and really played well, and I think that really helped his confidence. 
he's he's played a lot better since the Kyrie injury. Even now that Kyrie's back, he's given the Celtics some really really good minutes uh, to the point where the people have been talking about Terry Rozier's emergence making Smart sort of expendable. So I'm not going to go that far. I think Smart is still very valuable to this team, but having Terry Rozier on as another guy that you can throw in there either in case of emergency or, hey, if Marcus Smart's struggling and you need to play Rozier some more minutes, he and Kyrie kind of played okay next to each other. So that's a guy that, that can that can do some damage. So the Celtics are pretty deep, and they can go big, they can go small, which, you know, it'll be interesting. It'll be a challenge for the Wizards to kind of match up with that, uh, and, and, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, look, your bench has improved. Sadoransky's a good player. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how how all that works out. You hit in on a couple of key points for the Wizards uh, this year, and you mentioned that kind of having the same crew year after year, not really adding anyone, can add frustration and and have things boil over for the team. When you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors, they're you know keeping the same crew together and they stay at the top of the Eastern Conference, but you know they haven't really proved anything in the playoffs. I think the I think you're totally right that the Wizards are just talking too much and they haven't proved a thing. Um, and, you know, last last season in the post against the Celtics in that series, the Wizards just let leads evaporate in the first two games. They were up by at least 10, I believe, in the first quarters. And, you know, they, they just couldn't hold on. Uh, probably a coaching advantage for Brad Stevens there. And uh, speaking of um, the Wizards talking too much, <clears throat> you said uh, Marcus Smart is one of the, the most elite defenders and really gives John Wall some fits. But Wall, Wall said anytime they play the Celtics, whether it's Avery Bradley or Marcus Smart guarding him, he would just say, you know, or we would ask, like, are, do you think he should have gotten some more calls? Should have gone to the line a little bit more? He will just say, hey, look at my arms. Do you see all these cuts? It was like I was playing Wolverine tonight. So he's definitely <laughs> one of the guys to speak his mind about that. Um and and yeah, uh, it's Avery Bradley was the guy that Wall mentioned as the best defender that he faces. Um, but then he mentioned, you know, the toughest cover is Kyrie Irving. Irving looks back to his normal self. He's got the ball on the string. We'll see what John Wall comes back. Uh, he'll probably only play about five, maybe ten games of the rest of the regular season uh, once he's back from his niece procedure. So who knows what type of John Wall you'll get in the playoffs. And only time will tell, but... Let's hope for some more rematches. We got two more in the regular season, and then we'll see what happens after that. I'm John, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join this podcast late Thursday night. It's 1238 Eastern Time right now. So I'll let you get to bed, and thank you so much for being on the Locked On Wizards podcast. I'll Everyone tune in to Locked On Celtics, too, and check out his blogs, Red's Army. Awesome. Well, Thanks for having me on, and welcome to the network. Thanks so much, buddy. That was John Corrales, the host of the Locked on Celtics podcast. And we're going to take a real quick break now, and we'll be right back with the Locked on Wizards podcast. We'll be talking to Wizards Extra contributor Bryna Kramer about the crazy trade deadline that went down and how the Wizards stayed quiet uh, throughout the day. Everyone thought that Martin Gortat would have been on the move. Maybe a backup shooting guard would be in the mix, but not much happening there. Just a Sheldon Mack, uh, a trade to the Atlanta Hawks that we'll talk about in just a second. So stay tuned, stay locked in on the Locked On Wizards podcast.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to the Locked On Wizards podcast. So we just heard from John Corrales, the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, to analyze uh, the the heartbreaker loss here in Washington against the Celtics. Um, and now we're graced with having Wizards extra reporter Bryna Kramer as our second guest tonight to talk about the trade deadline. Tough loss tonight, Bryna, huh? Yeah, that was a real heartbreaker in overtime for sure, but we'll turn it around on Saturday. So the Wizards stayed pretty quiet um, while the Cavs were making all the moves. Uh, the Wizards' one deal was trading their injured guard, uh, a reserve, uh, Sheldon Mack, who doesn't play too much. He's 25 and has a torn Achilles, so he was out all season. I think that injury happened in the preseason. He was traded to the Hawks for a heavily protected second-round pick. And the key here is that the, the move saved the Wizards about $2 million uh, because they were $5 million over the luxury tax line. What do you think of this? First of all, you said second-rounder. It was just cash considerations. There was no pick that oh. was sent to us. Um, so... I mean, I think it was good. I think, I mean, as much as I think this season we thought Mac was going to get a chance to play a little bit more, I mean, he got injured in the preseason, so it kind of didn't work out. It saved the Wizards a little bit of money. Um, I mean, I thought it was a fine move. I mean, Brooks was talking in his pregame presser today about how, you know, it just really opens up another roster spot for them to sign someone in the buyout market. So I think over these next three weeks until that, deadline for the buyout market I think is where when we're hopefully going to see the Wizards make some moves but until then who knows mm-hmm. and do you know why the Wizards held on to Sheldon Mack for so long after the season un- injury I mean I think what was their rush like I mean it happened in the preseason they wanted to see you know how this team could develop together with their new pieces and their new bench and see give it a little bit of time like there was no rush and there was no need for them to waive him. I mean, they already had an open roster spot, and then they ended up waiving um, Michael Young off of the two-way contract. So, like, they had that spot extra, too. Like, they had spots already. So there was no pressure for them to waive Mac if that's not what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And how many – it looks like there are 13 players on the ro- on the roster. Is that right? Uh, with Devin Robinson being the two-way player, and then, of course, John Wallace injured. Uh, do you know of any prospects out there on the market who the Wizards might be looking looking at the next couple of weeks in terms of a, another addition? I think it, Scott Brooks said it would be a backup point guard. Is that correct? I don't know if Brooks said that necessarily. I know that's what um, our friend Candace Buckner at the Post has been reporting that they think that the Wizards are looking at to ha- um, to get like a veteran point guard. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting buyout market, especially because there's so many people who are probably going to get bought out. It's going to be a very robust market. Um, I personally think they need a shooting guard more than they need that veteran point Absolutely. guard, especially because when Wall comes back, you're going to have Saturansky. And Tim Frazier's been playing. I mean, it doesn't show up in the box score, but Tim Frazier's had a really good stretch of games here. So that's already three people in line at the point guard position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sadoransky is most natural at point guard, even though he's played all through, you know, the right all three point, point right. guard, shooting guard, small forward. He's played everywhere, but he's best as a playmaker, as we've seen. Right, and when you look at our shooting guard, 
we've got Bradley Beal, and Jody Meeks, you know, is up and down. He's been a little bit less consistent than Tim Frazier um, recently. So, but that's it. Mm. Like, that's two people. And when you've really only won when you consider the inconsistency of Jody Meeks. So, like, I think that needs to be addressed more than a point guard at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And then one team that was a lot more exciting is the Wizards' rival in the Eastern Conference. There was a ton of moves. Basically, every player that the the Cavs added over the offseason when they traded Kyrie to the Celtics yeah. is gone now. <laughs> and yeah. what do they? I mean, we'll see what what the pieces kind of make for the rest of the season. It's obviously tough to adjust with new players coming in. So the Cavs got rid of Isaiah Thomas after he played maybe 10, 15 games for the team. He was very inefficient and talking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so we saw that. So Isaiah's gone. Jay Crowder is gone. Uh, Dwayne Wade, the banana boat buddy of LeBron, <laughs> is gone. But LeBron is really happy about that. And right. Wade appears to be as well. He's going back to Miami. Derek Rose played very little, uh, even though he torched the Wizards one game. He's out. Channing Fry, the journeyman, is gone as well. What are we up to? Five players, and last was Iman Shumpert. So six players on an NBA team that has been to the finals the past three seasons are out of town. Now they brought in two young Lakers, uh, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, and then uh, two uh, great guards for for the, the Jazz, George Hill, a veteran leader, and then Rodney Hood, who's got a ton of potential. What Can you make sense of all of this? This was, I think... Probably, I mean, I really pay attention to the trade deadline. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, this was one of the craziest ones I can remember in a very long time. I mean, and it happened, like, not even at the last minute. It was, like, 1230 this afternoon. It was, like, all of a sudden you see Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fryer getting traded to the Lakers. And then it's, like, oh, there's a three-way deal between Utah, Cleveland, and Sacramento. And then Miami comes in, and it's just, like, what the freak was going on? Keep it PG. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did not say it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Cleveland was a real winner. I mean, they got off a lot of their older players. They got off a little bit of money. I mean, they did commit to money with um, Clarkson and Nance in more years than they were probably expecting to. But they got younger. They got more athletic. They got upgrades at all of those positions. I mean, they did what they needed to do in order to try to keep LeBron past the summer. And they made themselves into more – I don't. I still don't know if they're going to make the finals – but they made themselves into more of a contender than they've been in, like, months. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the biggest key takeaway is that they cleared house of a lot of players that, as you mentioned, were a little bit older. But basically, LeBron wanted players who were going to play hard and give, you know, a, a genuine effort. And there's one last player who had been, you know, on and off. Kevin Love, his name was swirling a lot. They keep Kevin. Yeah. Um and basically LeBron's hopefully, well, maybe not hopefully, if we're our <laughs> Wizards fans here, this is Wizards podcast, but it seems like Le- LeBron is going to be rejuvenated because all of these moves kind of worked out in his favor in terms of making the roster tweaks that he wanted. Who knows if it's Kobe Altman who's GM or if it's LeBron orchestrating things behind the scenes. So we'll see how this turns out. It's obviously difficult to play with new starters, let alone <laughs> six new or five new players. Sorry, just four. Yeah, I'm not the best counting. <laughs> Four new players on the roster for, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Crazy trade deadline. I still like free agency a little bit better because it's not just one day. I guess, you know, they both have a bit of a stretch, but free agency is a little bit more fun for me. Free agency is a little bit more fun, but I think this free agency, like, it's going to be it's gonna be hard. No one's going to get the contracts that they want because 
so many people tied up money in that sum, 26, the summer of 26, 20, yeah, it was 2016. <laughs> John Mahoney. <laughs> when like everyone got paid. And so I think it's going to be really hard for the star free agents like DeAndre Jordan um, this summer to try to find the contracts that they really want. I mean, we saw Lou Williams sign an extension when he was likely going to get, you know, hopefully like a nude contract this an summer. An extension for a bargain. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, just because he knew that probably going into the free agency wasn't his smart move. He wasn't going to get the contract that he wanted. Mm -hmm. So I think this free agency is going to be a little bit different. I do like free agency a lot, but I also just like, I think just the, like the fact that it happens within like a span of two to three hours, like all these deals start coming and Twitter blows up and it's just, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a lot of fun to see just like Twitter blow up. Like if you could stay on Twitter for those like three hours <laughs> from like 12 to 3 PM, it's a great time. I tried at work. I tried. <laughs> Thanks so much for breaking down all the fireworks of trade deadline, Bryna. Uh, speaking of Twitter, where can our followers find you on Twitter? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at BrynaK13. That's B-R-Y-N-A-K-13. Cool. Well, thank you so much uh, to all the listeners for an awesome first week uh, with me, Noah Getzel, as your new podcast host. And we'll be back at you Monday morning. So tune in and have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, Hopefully you'll be doing a little bit better than the Wizards after this overtime heartbreaker. <laughs> Take it easy. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.